0: much you please be seated I don't know about you but sometimes um, I don't feel so mighty and that's because I'm not neither are you but it's through the Lord and and through his strength all right praise the Lord for that all sufficient and so let's take our Bibles and uh, go to Revelation chapter 17 please Um, and we're I'll, I'll read a couple verses there in chapter 17 that we'll cover Lord willing, and then we're going to take some time and go back uh, to a couple passages in the book of John. And I, I hope you'll see. I uh, hope the Lord will help us all to see the reason that He's leading us that way. But Revelation chapter 17, the first few verses describe what John or the Bible, the angel says: um, the great whore, this, this this wicked religious system, represented as a whore. Uh, whore and harlot. And so we're going to pick it up kind of in the middle of that description, uh, close to the end of the actual description of her personally. So verse 4, chapter 17, verses 4 through 6, and then we'll pray and then get further into um, the message for today. Just remember, this is a worldwide religious system. Uh, The title of the message is the One World Religious System, which is going to culminate reach its height or depth, depending on your perspective, uh, during the tribulation. Um, Her wickedness is is awful. Um, And so we've had a little bit of background to this. We've shared a few things scripturally and historically, and we'll continue to do so uh, by the grace of God. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. All right, let's pray and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to look into the Word of God and how much we need the Word uh, today in every generation. But, Father, we're concerned about our generation and the generation to follow and how they need the Word of God and we need the Word of God that we might faithfully proclaim it. Father, we understand and I accept fully that the responsibility that we have is not only to preach the truth but also to expose error. We know that both the Old Testament and New Testament devote quite a bit of material to exposing and refuting error. We'd like to do that today, Father, and we, and so help us, I pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, keep your face, your, pla- your face, your place in, <laughs> yeah, your face too. Keep your place in Revelation, and please turn back to the Book of John to the passage that we read. Um, for our scripture reading um, this morning. And we're going to get back to, after you know Lord's Day, we, we, we're off our Revelation study with, with Brother Lynch being here. And so we're going to turn back to that today. So we're in the part of Revelation that talks about the one-world religious system. And so, and so we, I'd like us to look at some things in John chapter 17. I mentioned in my prayer and mentioned the fact that if we're going to be faithful, teaching and preaching the word of God, it involves preaching Christ and teaching of him and preaching the gospel, preaching all the doctrines of and practices of Christian living and all the things the Bible says that we're supposed to do, but it also involves exposing error and warning people about error. Um, you know, if you if you... Uh, or if you read an advertisement about a certain vehicle, and you're taken in by that, and you go and buy that car, and it turns out to be a lemon, well, that's a, that's a disturbance, that's an annoyance, but it doesn't have any eternal consequences. But if you're drawn away by the religion of the devil that the world is full of today, that has devastating eternal consequences, and we understand that. And so I'd like us to begin in John chapter 17 by looking at a few of these verses here. There is a saying that some, regarding the darkness. Um, there are people who curse the darkness, and then there are people who turn on a light. We have to do both, and we're going to be, in a way, cursing some darkness today. I'm not going to use curse words, I don't mean that. But I want to begin by turning on the light the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's what he said. So I want to, I, I really have been really burdened, convicted, whatever the word is, but the Holy Spirit, the Lord, has worked in my heart a lot that going through the book of Revelation, we need to be constantly reminded of the truth. I read of an old time evangelist, and he, in his his ministry, his way of preaching the gospel, he had this comment. I'll never forget it. He said if you find an old mangy dog on the street and he's got a bone in his mouth, all maggoty and all that yucky stuff, if you go to that dog and you try to yank that bone out of its mouth, you're going to be the next thing in its mouth. He'll turn on you. But if you offer that dog a nice juicy steak, he'll drop that bone and go for the meat. And he was saying in in the gospel... Right, you know, we need to present Jesus Christ as the wonderful Savior, the light of the world, you know, along, and rather than try to get people to stop their lifestyle of sin, we're not going to do that. They need to, obviously, they need to be aware that they're sinners, and when Jesus was on the earth, he never, ever, ever overlooked that when he dealt with people. And he preached about sin and its consequences. And he preached about hell and about heaven. In fact, I, I think it's pretty obvious and, and that Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Um, and, so there's, and I'm sure there's lots of reasons for that. But people need to understand where they stand without God. And, they, and we have no standing apart from Christ. Now, So the Lord Jesus, in John 17, we said already, this is his prayer. And so there's so many things that we can gather and learn from this prayer, but one of them is the things that are important to the Lord. You know, he and and we, and his, of course, he had perfect prayers, we tend to pray for things that we feel are important, things that we believe in, things that we long for. Well, the Lord Jesus, in his prayer to to his Heavenly Father, prayed for some things that he considered very important. Obviously, he starts off with what he was about to face. Verse number one, Jesus, these these words spake, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Now, that's something that, a statement that's peculiar to the book of John. Several times in John, it says they wanted to kill him or they tried to take him, but his hour was not yet come. Well, Jesus says, Father, it's now here. The hour has come. In other words, the time of his suffering, and so he says, "Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee." And he's basically praying for the for the power, the strength to to go through what God had called him to do. Notice that, it, and it would be he would be glorified through that, and so that the Father would be glorified. Verse 3, this is life eternal. So he's talking about giving eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That's, that's all about God's eternal foreknowledge, and he knows everyone that will come to him. And this is life eternal. This is life eternal. Okay, folks, are you interested in eternal life? Here it is. Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they might know Thee." Jesus is praying, the only True God, the only true God. There's only one. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, the Bible is very clear that this one true God it, it exists in the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Not three gods, one God. But the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. All right. And so Jesus said life eternal is knowing them, knowing him, knowing the Father, and knowing him. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring people to that knowledge. It's called conviction. I have glorified thee on the earth, verse 4, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee. Before the world was. So before creation, Jesus Christ existed. He was in heaven with the Father. All right, let's 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 just go down to verse 15. All right. So remember, Jesus said, one true God. All right, one true God. And then in verse 15, Jesus says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Now, Jesus is pray- now remember, he's praying right now, or at that point, he's praying for the disciples. and He says, I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world. I'm not praying for you to remove them because there's work to be done. There's ministry, right? But that thou shouldest keep them, that is preserve them, guard them, protect them from the evil. And... That's the idea there, the way that's the evil is evil personified. In other other words, the evil one or the wickedness of the devil, all the things that the devil would and all his demons would throw at them and us. Pray it. They are not of the world. Let me think about that. The disciples of Christ, they had come to know him. And those of us, if we're saved today, we are we are not of the world. We have been delivered out of the world. Even as I am not of the world, all right. So we're in the world. The Bible, we're in the world. Jesus says, "I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world. They're in the world, but they're not of the world." Right. So we should we're, we ha- the world must not be in us is the idea as well. Now they're not of the world even as I am not of the world and then this verse 17 oh my what a what a what a, a precious what an important verse of scripture as jesus prayed this sanctify them believers and then again remember in verse 20 i'm not just praying for these i'm praying for all those who would believe so we're we're under all that we're under that all right, sanctify. Sanctify means to set apart or make holy or even purify. All right. And so the, Jesus prays that we would be sanctified, that we would be set apart from the world. And, and the idea then is also consecrated, set apart unto God. And then there's the idea of sanctification. That great doctrine also means being conformed to the image of Christ. So becoming more and more like him. And it can happen. And God wants it to happen. Jesus prayed. The Lord Jesus Christ would not pray for something that couldn't be done, that couldn't happen. In other words, through God, through the power of the Lord. So sanctify. Well, how? How are believers Made holy. How are we sanctified? How are we consecrated? How are we made more like Christ? Notice through Thy truth. All right, God's truth, Thy word is truth. So, so He's building a little a progression here till He comes to the to the point where He says, Thy word is truth. So, how are we sanctified? We are sanctified through the word and. Peter talked about through sanctification of the Spirit and the Word. All right? The Word of God. So b- belief of the truth. That's what's the word. Sanctif through the, through the Holy Spirit and belief of the truth. All right. Now, so that's why, one reason, main reason why God's Word is so important to us. It, you know, it is not just important. It is vital. It is necessary you know, spiritually speaking, it is our air. It is our, our water. It is our food. It is our blood. You know what I mean by that, right? We cannot live. We cannot live spiritually without the word of God. And I don't mean to... I mean, I, one of the ways that we can illustrate this, and you, you probably all know and, and we know... Um, some children who have dreadful, they have like cerebral palsy or they have muscular dystrophy or they've got some uh, kind of disease. And some of them means, means that they will never develop spiritually. I mean physically. I messed up my own illustration there. But, you know, they're, they're going to remain in a certain state for their whole life, basically. That's how it is. That's how it can be with people Spiritually remain in the same state, stunted, malnourished, and for only one reason, because if we if we don't incorporate the word of God into our daily lives, you know, the Bible says, Jesus talked about being the, he is the vine, we're the branches, and we have to gain the nourishment and so on spiritually from the vine. There's only one way to get that, the word of God. Nothing else, nothing can substitute for The word of God, right? Now, if you only fed your children one meal a week, you would be—if anybody knew about it—you'd be arrested (laughs) for neglect. Folks, you can't just have—you can't just get one hour here, and that's all the word of God you're going to get the whole week. That just doesn't—it doesn't work that way, right? I knew a guy one time, a Christian man, I think. Hope so. Years ago, I talked to this man. I never opened my Bible from one Sunday to the next. I, what the preacher gives me Sunday morning is enough. Wow, that, that guy was really, he was misguided. I, I think he changed over the years. But anyway, so we understand that this is our nourishment. So Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. All right? We need the word of God. Now, let's go back, and there's a lot more to say about that, but I want us to look at John 10 also. John chapter 10. And I'm going to say something that is so obvious. <laughs> You're going to say, duh, but I want to tell you, you know, Jesus Christ is a wonderful Savior. Is that not true? Is He precious? Unto you, therefore, which believe He is precious. 1 Peter 2:7. Jesus is a wonderful savior. But you know what? The sad thing is not very many people around here seem to know that. I'm talking about out there, all right? Maybe you're here and you don't and you haven't realized it yet. Well, I hope you will. Jesus Christ is a wonderful savior. He's the savior. So John chapter 10, as soon as we look at a couple of verses here, we're going to go to Revelation 17 and see a dreadful contrast. John chapter 10, what a wonder. The whole chapter, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful chapter. When I read John 10, I think of Psalm 23. When I read Psalm 23, I think of John 10. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah, Yahweh, the big one, the big name. You know, Jehovah God is my shepherd. And then Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the good shepherd. What does that mean? Well, Jesus says, I am Jehovah. I'm God, no doubt. Wonderful chapter. But let's let's pick it up in verse 9. Now, before we, in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. Now, he's talking about the sheepfold. And if you haven't ever, it might be helpful, just go to your whatever, your Computer, I guess, or phone, or whatever, and just Google in sheepfold. I did that one time down at the nursing home. I wanted to give the, the, the folks that we were having Bible study with, so I printed out this picture of a sheepfold. And, you know, because a sheepfold is something that they built out in the field, especially. They had, they had places at home, too. But a lot of times, like when Jesus was born, it says there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Well, they'd build folds out there and the and the sheep would often stay there and the shepherd or the sheepfold is like a almost a circle kind of like a horseshoe shape a little bit and there's one opening and the opening is is uh, narrow enough where the shepherd can lie across it and take up the whole opening and nobody gets in nobody gets out without going past the shepherd and so Jesus is talking about, I am the door. I am the door of the sheep, he says in this passage of scripture. Scripture. In other words, he's the way into the sheepfold. Well, the sheepfold is salvation, eternal life, heaven, all the things that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers to people. And so Jesus said, there's a sheepfold, there's a fold. And a lot of our hymns use that term, into the fold. In other words, I've been brought to Christ. But Jesus says, I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And then notice what else? It shall go in and out and find pasture. I have, oh, I have awful time but looking at him, but you ever see those ads for the for abused animals? Our grandson with his dad's help, they rescued, he, he's, he's, a, he's gotten into horse riding and they rescued a horse that had been just terribly, just beaten and just terribly abused. I think it's awful. Um, because they're not given pasture, they're not given, they're not being taken care of. And Jesus said, they'll go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus promises all that come to him, they'll be saved and they will find nourishment. They'll find nutrition. Now That that part about the nourishment, we have to eat it, we have to take it. Okay. There is no spiritual intervenus. okay? There's no spiritual feeding tube. You know, we have to take it. We we have to, you know, feed ourselves, so to speak, by going in the Bible. Now, here's verse 10. I want you to notice, in in this whole picture of the sheepfold, there are, he mentions thieves and robbers. There's people over there in that part of the world that would try to steal other people's sheep, all right? Climb over. He talks about climbing over some other way. Well, the thief, in this parable, the thief refers to the devil and false teachers. You can look it up. You can read verses 1 through 5, and you'll notice that. He talks about false teachers. Anyway, the thief cometh not but for. In other words, why does the thief come? And, And let's say, why do false prophets come? Why does the devil come? Why do demons come after us? Why do they come after people? To steal and to kill and to destroy. In other words, all the devil wants to do is ruin everything and ruin our lives. Saved or unsaved. By the way, after a person gets saved, the Bible says the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Talking about believers. In other words, seeing who he can ruin. The devil doesn't say, oh man, that person, he saved, she saved. Guess I that I, boy. I don't nothing else I can do. No, I kind of believe according to Scripture. He intensifies his efforts after we're saved. He said, "Now here's what." In contrast, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. I am come, Jesus said, that they might have life. And they might have it more abundantly. So the Lord Jesus Christ, his desire for us, his intention for us, his work for us and in us is all for our good. It's all for our benefit. Everything the devil does in the devil's crowd is for our hurt and our ruin and our destruction. And then verse 11, I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus died. We know that, but I hope that, that is so easy to say. Jesus died. He died for our sins. Jesus said, I didn't come. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I've, I've talked to people over the years that they have a hard time admitting the fact. but You see, one of the ways to help is this. The Lord, when God says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he's not comparing us to one another. He's not comparing me to the drunk in the gutter. He's comparing me to him. He's comparing you to him. He's comparing us to his righteous standard. And if you want to you know, take your Bible and one of these. You know, someday soon, hopefully, take it and read Exodus chapter twenty, where God gave the ten commandments, and He says, "You shall not, you shall not, you shall not, but you shall certain things do, certain things not to do." And if you, anybody here today, and and you don't, you can't grasp that concept, or I don't think I'm a sinner. Well, read the read Exodus twenty, because those are the things God says we are to do and if we don't do them if we broke them of one time we're guilty there's things the Bible says there are not to do if we've done it one time because the Bible says in James if you keep the whole law and offend one point in other words if you keep it all the time and one time break it then you're guilty you've broken the law now obviously everybody we've all done it way more than once another thing and this is, sometimes it's kind of hard to explain this, but I've had people, I've given, trying to give them the gospel, and, and they're pretty sure, I'm sure, just by, they don't, they don't, they're not saved because they have no concept of it. And they'll say to me, Well, are you a sinner? What do I say? No, no, I'm a reverend. I'm not a sinner. No. Say, of course, everybody's a sinner. Well, how do you sin? No, there's the tough, one, there's the one. It's like, man, how do I get out of this? No, I You know, so we tell them. Right, we're not perfect, and you know we do things, we say things, we, you know, but Jesus died for those sins, and that's why God hates any false way. All right, that's why it just it's that's why this woman. I think we're ready. Yeah, let's go to Revelation. Right, look at a couple things about her. In fact, today we, what we basically we want to take a look at is three characteristics that are mentioned in Revelation 17 about this one world religious system. Now, two of the three, two of the three. Anybody who's paying attention, um, anybody who knows his, anything about history, about religions, you will, you will automatically realize that two of these three are so. And the one in the middle, you know, that we just have to take what the Bible says about the title, because that we're not the average person isn't very familiar with this title, in Revelation seventeen five, but think about this woman again who represents a religious system. Think about that in contrast to our precious Lord Jesus Christ. All right. First of all, it says in verse four, Revelation seventeen, her wealth. Her wealth. It says, and the woman was arrayed In purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So, this the first part of the verse there the purple, scarlet, gold, precious stones, pearls speaks of wealth. And obviously this religious system is going to be, is wealthy, rich, because of all the things, um, you know, the influence that she's had causing people to contribute to her and, and give to her. And, you know, there's wonderful, marvelous buildings in the world, and, and there's all this, these riches and so on. And notice it says that she's got this golden cup in her hand. Um, and again, gold is speaking of something precious, but what is in her hand? abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So that means her spiritual immorality, her spiritual adultery, turning you know, away from God, an enemy of God, and influencing people in that way. All right? And the wine here, talk, we talked about that um, in verse 2. It talks about the wine and about kings of the earth and so on, inhabitants of the earth being made drunk. In other words, they've come under the influence of her false teaching, which is taken them away from God, taking them away from Christ, and taking them away from everything that's good and f- caused them to follow this abominable, this wicked system that is you being used as the devil to keep people in their condemnation and leading them straight to an eternity without Christ in hell. But wealth, riches, oh man, do they have riches and wealth. Nothing, and you know, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And you all, you all know, I mean, most of you probably know about the scams out there. I mean religious scams. The guys on TV and the gals on TV who promise all kinds of prosperity and you know, but make sure you send me send you send it to me first, and then you'll get prosperity, and all the gimmicks they have, you know, they're going to send you a genuine sliver off the cross, and they're going to do all these kinds of things, and you know, they run around and they're, you know, hundred you know, I don't know how much a suit can cost, but I'm sure it can get into the thousands. But anyway, you know. And, the, and, these, and think about these, these false teachers, these false religions. They won't do a thing. I was talking to somebody one time, trying to encourage them to come to church, and there was nothing wrong with them. They were perfectly healthy. They were younger than me years ago. And uh, they said, well, you know, it's, eh, we, we just don't like to bother getting, uh, you know, getting dressed and getting in the car and driving, so we just watch it on TV. And that's just as good. And they told me their favorite uh, TV preacher happened to be one of those you know, scam artists and I said, all right, let me, t- let, me, let me just suggest something to you. Next time that you're, in, you're sick or somebody's in the hospital, call that guy. Call him and see if he'll come and visit you in the hospital. And they, they, they didn't answer. They didn't have an answer. What I'm saying is the Lord Jesus, it wasn't all about him. It was all about us and all about doing the will of God. But this religious system has become wealthy by her evil influence. Well, then look at, secondly, her, oh, by the way, I want to read a verse. Um, It talks about her golden, a golden cup in her hand. Um, This is what Jeremiah 51.7 says of Babylon. Now Babylon in Jeremiah's day. There's, there's a lot of connections about the same system. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. Now, that that's a whole other subject of that, but simply saying that God used Babylon to, to bring judgment upon Judah because they turned away from God. You get that? But notice it says that she has been, a or Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. So, He he has, he has allowed her to have this. He's given her this influence, if you will. Allowed her to have it. Notice it says, That made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore the nations are mad. Hmm. Do you ever think things are crazy in this world? Well, here's one verse that talks about it. It's the influence of this woman, this system... Don't think for a minute that though these wicked liberals and others that we talk about, that, that don't think for a minute that they don't worship. You might be surprised what some of these do. I've read about some and I don't care for them, but I've read articles. I've been like sitting somewhere waiting and there'll be a magazine and I'll read about some movie stars or, or athletes and, and what they attribute their ability to. The communication of spirits and channeling and crystals and all that. I'm going to get in trouble, maybe. If you don't like sports, I'm getting so I like them less and less all the time. But you must have, most of you have heard of Tom Brady. Have you heard of Tom Brady? The quarterback, we used to be the Patriots. There was an article about him. He's into all that stuff. Channeling, spirit guides. So what is he? He's basically a devil worshiper, all right? And that's why that's what he says why I'm able to keep going I'm just saying you could look it up I, I forget I, I can't remember the magazine so you might have a hard time but uh he was in there all there he gave an interview this is this is why I'm able to be so good because of my spirit guides and all that not because of the Lord he doesn't say the Lord Jesus he says my spirit guides and all the stuff I'm into all right a lot of guys do that there's i I could'm I don't want to bore you with all these other names but Tom Cruise. Well, no, that's another one. But anyway, um, so these people are worshipers, but they're not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, that's why the world is mad. By the way, this is an interesting word. The word mad here, it's not... Well, anyway, it's we, we, we say, I really got mad. Well, I hope you really didn't mean what you said because mad doesn't mean angry. <laughs> Mad means goofy. Mad means well, the word mad. The word translated mad here means deranged, acting like a madman or railing against. Now, who were the people in Jeremiah's day railing against? God. Who are the people of America? Who are these protesters and these all these other kinds of people? Who are they railing against? Ultimately, God. When they mock, you know, they're gonna start burning down churches or they've they've been they've been threatening all this. I guess they have, you know. They're mad. Because in some way or another, they're coming under the influence of this worldwide system. By the way, atheism is under that. Do you understand the devil doesn't care how he gets you to hell or I mean I mean if you're not if you're saved you can't go. I mean I mean Sorry. I mean, I should be more specific. I'm talking about the world in general. Satan doesn't care. A person can go to church, you know, 10 times a week. He doesn't care, as long as they don't get saved and don't know the truth. Or they can be an atheist, or they can be a Satan worshiper, or they can be whatever. He don't care. Someone asked me one time, well, how come most Bible-believing churches are small, and liberal churches are big, and they got all kinds of people? Simple. The devil don't care. In fact, he wants people to go where they won't hear the Bible. But he'll do everything in his power to keep people away from hearing the truth. I mean, just saying. That's, that's, that's just the way it is. All right? Well, so her title is this. Notice. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, Babylon the Great, and that Great is meant in an evil way of great influence, the mother of the harlots, abomination of the earth. We traced it back. Remember, a couple Sundays ago, we, a couple actually, we've done it for two Sundays. We talked about Nimrod, the Tower of Babel. We talked about Tamas and Samarimis and Baal and Diana and many of the gods that are mentioned in the Bible, false gods, and all the things that are going on in the world today. So this system began way back then, um, and you know it really originated in the mind of the devil when he wanted to become God. And so he's still wanting to be like God, and so he's he's trying to influence people to falseness and all these kind of things. And so this woman is the source. She is the mother of all. She's the mother. Um, in fact, it's interesting, the word, you know what a mother is, I, I, I hope, but here that word expresses the idea of, quote, the source from which has proceeded... The religious harlotry of mingling pagan rites and doctrines with the Christian faith—in other words, trying to, in order to influence—but the thing you know, but what happens is when you when you mingle those together, there's certain parts of the Christian faith that are left out, like the necessity of faith in Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. So you miss. So it's really it isn't the Christian faith anymore. If you take Jesus Christ out in the true faith, you don't have anything left except wickedness and evil. All right, now, so, and the purpose of all that, the purpose of this verse five, this this system, um, is to deceive and corrupt in order to keep people from saving faith in Christ. Now, if you, I want to just mention too, if, if you miss those any of those messages on what we've had on chapter seventeen. You can go to sermon audio, and there's cards out there if you need one, and you can click on it, and you can you can listen to those messages. And I really would encourage you, if you haven't heard them, to do that, so that you kind of fill in the gaps. I mean, I can't do it. I can't go over everything every Sunday, but this is so. There's that opportunity. All right. So her her wealth is verse four. Her title, verse five. And really, the purpose of it, I mean, she desires to have this influence. And then verse number six, and this is where we'll we'll conclude uh, the message today. And that is this, her murders. Among other things and above other things, this woman is a murderer. This system is a murderer, spiritually and physically. All right, let's read it. Verse six says, and I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints. In other words, the people of God. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now there's there's, I'm, there's an application, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that that the, the, especially the saints would could be, and at least partially would be a reference to the Old Testament believers, right? And the martyrs of Jesus, the New Testament believers. all right. Martyrs is a word that means witnesses or testifiers, and it's over the years the word has changed in its usage to talk about those who are killed for their faith. It really means those who testify. But notice, this woman is drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So there's certainly a spiritual aspect of that where, You know, her, her, she has, her, their blood is upon her, but notice that she's enjoyed that. In other words, she's enjoyed taking them away from the truth. But also, I'm talking about physical murder. And folks, again, if, if people, if we're honest, millions of Bible believing Christians have been murdered down through the centuries. I mean murdered, killed. You know, sometimes it's by a communist government. I was, I'm reading, I, I mentioned from time to time, the three-volume set this day in Baptist history. I just read one the other day of a young fellow who was arrested by the KGB and so on in, in Russia. And he was sent away to Siberia. And, and many died because of communism, you know, trying to destroy faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what do you hear these days? People are saying, well, I think we'd be better off under socialism. Man, they have, they have no clue. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Communism and socialism has never, never benefited anybody except the government, the leaders. But anyway, but, I'm, but, but other than that, I'm talking about the vast majority of Christian believers who have been killed over the centuries were killed by religious groups. So-called churches, and I don't—I mean, I don't, again, I've come to the point in my life. I don't care if what people don't like what I preach or say, as long as it's from the Word of God or true, shouldn't matter. The Catholic Church, all right, has been responsible for murdering millions of people over the years. You, you, you know I'm right if you look in your history. The Pilgrims came to America to get away from the Church of England. Because they killed people that wouldn't go. They made it the law in England was you have to be a member and you have to attend the Church of England. If not, you, if it were you were a woman and they caught you, you'd be remember, they'd put you in the dunking stool. You ever hear of those? Or if you were a guy or whatever, they'd burn you at the stake or they'd hang you or they'd do something. You know, the, I, can't, I can't believe that, that people have forgotten that today. And Paul's problem in his day in the New Testament was the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, they persecuted him. The Roman government persecuted him. But you know, when the Roman government really began to persecute Christians, you know when that started? When Caesar said, or the emperor of Rome said, I am God, you have to worship me or else. All right? Now in our day... One of the great persecutors is Islam, all right? Islamic, and they call them terrorists, but really the Quran says you kill all the all unbelievers. If you can't convert them, kill them, right? Thousands of people are Christians are being murdered by Islamic people today, right? Just a few years ago, I read in prayer meeting the letter of a, of a, I think it was three guys who had gone over to Turkey as missionaries. They were having Bible studies. And a couple of Muslim fellows came and said, yeah, we're interested. We really want to learn about the Bible. We want to learn about Jesus. And so they brought him in and teach him. Well, one day these two guys showed up with their knives and they attacked the, the preachers. Just cut them, skinned them alive. See, in the name of religion. In the name of God. That's what, this is verse five. Uh, and verse six, this is who's responsible. This religious system, right? So... It's understandable, the last part of verse six it says that when, when I saw her, John said, when I saw this vision, I wondered with great admiration. Now admiration here is the idea of amazement or astonishment. It's real. It's, it's, it's alive. It's doing stuff today. And uh, you know we need to understand that. There's a, it's a battle for souls, and the devil has no love and no mercy. You wonder, how can people... I read some of these things, and I tell it makes my stomach turn. I read about the torture that Christians have gone through over the years and still going through today. And well, how can they be so cruel? Well, it's because they're stirred up by this false system, by the devil himself, and, and uh, there's no mercy. There's no mercy. Well, John was overwhelmed at the end of verse 6. With the scope of power, influence, and wickedness of this false system, probably when he saw the blood, when he saw all those that had died, that's probably what really overwhelmed him. And we need to be overwhelmed. And I read those stories, and even though it just oh, I can't, I hate to read about those things, but we need to know about those things. We have to understand what's going on, and all these people that stand, they smile and everything. Oh man. So, this can seem overwhelming to us today, too. However, we must cling to the truth. Realize, ultimately, the same John who wrote Revelation, wrote 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, for greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And we praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God for that. Well, finally just bringing everything to a close here when the, when think about when the lord jesus christ himself was on the earth some believed on him loved him and followed him some but most did not the same is true today jesus christ is among the most beloved men In the world, he's also among the most hated. Most hated. Um, There's a hymn, I thought about singing it today, but I don't know if anybody knows it, but it's called, What Will You Do With Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday my heart will be asking, What will he do with me? So where do you stand today? Have you taken your stand for the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he your Savior? I hope so. If he's not, I'd love to talk to you, show you from Scripture how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank thee for this time we can have together in the word of God. And I just ask you, Lord, now, as we sing a hymn of closing, may the Holy Spirit be working through the word of God and, and Father, we just we give that to thee. It's not our work, but it's thy work and so I pray that you would just work in hearts according to the need for, for us as believers. Strengthen us, O Lord. Um, and just help us to be faithful no matter what the cost and for any who are not saved that you would just help them to see how much they need the Lord Jesus and that Christ... Loves them and wants to save them, and so work we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, two hundred forty-six. No, when Jesus was on the earth, again, if you read, one thing that you can't do when you're reading. You know, it was Jesus who said, come unto me. All well, you that labor, have your I will give you rest. It was also the same Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, you'll die in your sin. Same one. All right. So, 246. 246. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Right. No, nobody would say today that I was tender. Not for the we you know there's times to be tender and there's times to be firm and there's times to expose what's going on. We're, we're living in a nation that has fallen asleep and as far as the truth. And it's up to us to But softly and tenderly, this the Lord Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. And for you and me. So as listen, as we sing, we just pray if the Lord is our heart. Let us know. so <laughs>